Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, coming up on today's show, we are talking basketball. BYU basketball coach Mark Pope, Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. They're both going to join us later today in the show. So we're going to talk a little football here in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, Jordan Pendleton, owner of Pendleton Performance, former BYU linebacker. Uh, how are players working out now? How are guys getting ready for the draft now? How different is the draft process? Uh, we'll talk with Jordan, and you'll hear that in just a few minutes. And then Aaron Roderick. Passing game coordinator at BYU and the quarterbacks coach. A lot to talk to him about. You know, obviously, the good news is BYU's got three quarterbacks coming back who have all won a college football game. How many schools can say that? Off the top of my head, USC. There's probably somebody else out there. But it's a very, very rare thing. Now, they need someone to step up and be the guy. You can't play three quarterbacks it's one at once. It's nice to know you have depth. Uh... So Aaron talks, um, uh, Aaron's got several points to make about the quarterbacks, the way they developed, why having a big game early in your career can actually be a little bit of a problem, um, and then what each of these guys have to improve, and how the coaches can handle the quarterbacks, because you look at some of their stats and some things look clear, but some of the problems happen for different reasons because they handle different quarterbacks different ways. Also at running back, the transfer portal was very, very good to BYU last year until Tyson Williams got hurt. Uh, he talks a little bit about that. Well, how does it work this year? And we know they've already got one guy through the transfer portal and transferring from Utah in uh, Devontae Henry Cole. Uh, but we've also seen that the transfer portal, and Yach's more of an expert on this than PK and I. We actually have nicknames for him based on the transfer portal. Mr. TP. <laughs> Hey, TP's in short supply. Uh, but we've seen that that is something that you can use the transfer portal and get a guy early like they did with Devonta Henry Cole. But also sometimes that's a process that plays out very slowly and guys land late. So are they done there? Are they not? Uh, I think it's under... Uh, I think it's largely underestimated how good Tyson Williams was for him because he got hurt so early in the year, and they did adapt over time. Um, And then you got all the memories of all these other games, and you maybe forget how good he was early in the year. So talk talk with him a little bit about that as well. And then also just the games they blew last year. How did they get outscored 34-3 in the fourth quarter at Toledo, at South Florida, and at Hawaii? I mean, those three games, the other losses I don't complain about so much. You know, you get beat, it's going to happen. If those three games swing, seven and six becomes ten and three. (laughs) Oh, come on. Now, even if they only went two of the three, nine and four feels way different than seven and six, and certainly ten and three does. So how did they lose to a group of five teams on the road and get outscored 34-3 in the fourth quarter? And the thing about coaches now is they don't have much to do, and they're already diving into film at a really deep level. And now they've got even more time to do that and really break down why this stuff happened. So Aaron's theories on why that happened, it's hard to go back and test the theories and replay the games, obviously. So you got what you got, and everyone's got their theories on why things happen the way they do. Um, He's really not a big fan of travel, but I just look at it and think, I've seen BYU have a couple schedules where they had to travel a lot. Um, 
Lavelle's last year when they were six and six, and they went back to Syracuse, and they went back to Virginia, and they went back and played Florida State in Jacksonville. Yeah, guess what happened? There was one other game, too, they traveled for. I can't remember where it was. But the only one they won was Virginia, and they were down 21 and rallied to win that thing in overtime. And the other games, you know, they got got blitzed at Syracuse. They had quarterback injuries, and Florida State was loaded in those days. Uh, I just think college kids don't handle travel well. But Aaron doesn't buy that. He's got other theories, and we'll get to those coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, joined now by Jordan Pendleton, owner of Pendleton Performance, former BYU linebacker. Jordan, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing well. So we've heard about all the uh, all the things we're supposed to be doing and not congregating and businesses are closing and uh, gyms are impacted. How does all of this impact you? Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely impacted us for sure. Um, you know, fortunately, we're still able to work with clients remote and and we've we've been able to do some small group stuff and some one on ones, but it's definitely impacted us it's impacted everybody and i'm just hoping it all uh you know we can get through this and hopefully it it settles down here in the next couple weeks uh the next month who knows how long it's going to last but yeah we're just trying to take it one day at a time for sure so are you setting up particularly for the guys who are in training for potential nfl camps you setting up stuff for them to do and then they do it out on their own is that the way it's working yeah, we've we've been able to still um, get some guys in. We've had to really limit the amount of uh, people that we're letting in our gym. But for some of these NFL guys, we've been able to get some smaller groups going. And um, you know, fortunately for us, we were we were able to get all the way through. You know, the guys that were training for pro day, we were able to make it all the way through um, without having to shut down. So that was a good thing. But yeah, we're just we're just taking it day by day. Um, you know, I'm in Utah County. And we're just trying to follow the guidelines as best as we can. And, and we only are allowing, you know, a certain number of people in the gym at, a, at, you know, at specific times and just taking extra precaution to clean everything down before and after every class. And so we've, uh, we still have some stuff going, but it's definitely, uh, definitely impacted us. And our, you know, our numbers, our members are down, but we're, we're trying to, offer a lot of people especially our members some some home options uh workouts that they can do and and um just yeah just trying to do the best we can but it's it's been crazy for sure less than a month to the nfl draft what do you think is the the biggest impact the biggest negative that players have got to overcome the guys who are preparing for the draft because obviously there's some high profile guys in the state yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's some negatives for for both sides. One, the, you know, it, fortunately for for some of these guys, if they have good film, uh, it's going to help them a lot. But with with all the pro days being canceled, and scouts, uh, you know, NFL scouts not being able to see these guys in person, do in person interviews, 
and um, and you know some of these guys that don't have a lot of film that are hoping to go to pro day and get noticed and put up some good numbers. Uh, it's really going to crush those guys because you know it's just it's word of mouth at that point, and they and and the scouts aren't able to see them. They're not able to see them perform in person, and so there's going to be some guys, some diamond in the roughs out there that don't have a lot of film. They they maybe don't have a ton of tape, and they're not going to be able to showcase their skills um, with the the guys that do have tape. It still impacts them because they're not able to do um, in person workouts. They're not able to. Uh, you know, see these coaches, these scouts in person and, and do their interviews. And so it's all going to be done uh, right now. It's all being done on Zoom calls and, and Skype calls. And it's just not the same as getting an athlete, you know, on a whiteboard and, and breaking down schemes and um, being able to interact with that person and, and, you know, face-to-face. And then, you know, from a from an organization standpoint, it makes it difficult for them because they've got to be they, – they've got to take – you know, different route as far as who, who guys that they're going to draft and, and guys that, that, that are on their board without have, without being able to necessarily see these guys in person and see them perform in person. So it's, um, it's pretty tricky. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. It, it sucks for, you know, guys that are kind of on the, you know, on the, on the edge that aren't, you know, first, four, fifth round draft picks that, you know, most of them get their shot based off their pro days and their numbers they put up. Um, and then also just being able to impress the coaches on the board, um, impress them with, with um, you know, person-to-person, um, you know, individual workouts. And with without being able to do that, it's going to make it tricky for sure. And so it's, it's, um, it's tough. And then for the players, it's just staying uh, mentally sharp, knowing that, you know, they don't know when the season's going to start. They don't know if it, if it even is going to start. And, you know, how you stay mentally and physically prepared for that during this time is just, it's tough for everybody. Over the years, Jordan, I've had some professional uh, front office people will call me and tell, ask me, hey, what do you know about uh, Kid X? And they're not looking for me to break down uh, their 40 times or in basketball what they can do on the floor they're asking like basically for some character references as they do background checks on on these kids i'm wondering with you whether it's college or pro if you've had people get in touch with you to get your recommendation about maybe how physically gifted they are how hard their work how hard they work those types of things yeah yeah definitely we 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 definitely get that all the time um whether it's from agents whether it's from you know college coaches um even even some NFL scouts have have reached out knowing that we're training a certain person, and so it's uh, it's definitely that's a, definitely a huge part of it. Uh, that it needs to be a good fit for the organization, and they definitely try and hit on all angles and, and contact um, you know people that you wouldn't think they would they would contact. I mean, it's easy to talk to a, like their position coach or maybe their high school coach or something, but. Um, they, they try and go a little bit deeper than that. And, uh, it's, a, you know, it's important that you bring somebody in that you feel like it's going to be a good fit, uh, somebody that's going to stay out of trouble. And that, that's obviously a huge, huge component of the recruiting process. And, and especially for the NFL draft, you know, for the drafting process. And yeah, I mean, characters, obviously it's not the, it's, it's not the only thing. There are guys that get drafted that we know are, you know, can't stay out of trouble, but, um, for these guys that aren't, you know, first, 
you know, first round draft picks, second round draft picks. Uh, there's a lot that goes in. There's a lot that you know they value on that specific thing for sure. Former BYU linebacker Jordan Pendleton, joining us, owner of uh, Pendleton Performance. So when you're working out high school kids and you give them this kind of advice, like, well, how you interact with people is going to matter to a college coach, how hard you work is going to matter to a college coach, what percentage of them do you think hear you? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, sometimes you feel like it goes in one ear and out the other. You know, for for me, I didn't. We didn't have Instagram and Twitter and and all this stuff when I was in high school. So, um, you know, it was a lot easier for for us to just kind of mind our business, and we didn't have to worry about all that. But a lot of these athletes don't know that coaches are are stalking them on every single platform possible, and what they're posting and and what they're doing. Um, you know, it's it's getting looked on, and so I, I try and tell kids that all the time. Like, hey, if you are if, if you, you, let's just say there's a kid from Bingham and a kid from Alta, and they're the same talent, they run the same forty, they're they play the same position, they have the same stats. You know, let's just say they're equal. Um, why would you get recruited over 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 the other kid? And and I try and tell them like they're going to look at your grades, and if your grades are the same, then they're going to go to social media. They're going to see how you behave. They're going to see. Um, what you're doing, they're going to see what you're posting, and you know they're they're going to find that edge of you know what you know who who's the better fit, who's the the, the kid that we think's going to thrive more, and, and a lot of it isn't necessarily uh, athletic ability; it goes much more beyond that. So we try and tell the kids, but I mean you'd be surprised. There's a lot of kids. I don't I don't think they understand the uh, the importance of it, and I don't think they understand the value of it, but. It's definitely something we preach because with social media now, I mean, you can find out a lot about somebody just by, you know, stalking their Instagram profile or looking at their stories. And so it's definitely uh, something that has changed over the years. Uh, you know, than when I was when I was playing, we didn't have to worry about that. You're telling me Jordan Pendleton, <laughs> the rebel out of Bingham, has now become a parental figure. <laughs> oh, man, I'm. I've never been a rebel. I've always had my head on straight. No, I'm just kidding. No, I. You know what? It's it's one of those things. Like we we all make mistakes, and and you know, fortunately for me, I, I was just so involved with sports, and and I, you know, I just had I had I had goals, and but you know, you do you do screw up along the way, and it's it's about um, teaching these kids and helping these kids not make the same mistakes you make, and. And a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I I didn't you don't know as a as a kid that you wish you would have known, and but you know how it is you can tell you can tell people anything and and tell them from experience and they're still they're still going to have to go out and make their own mistakes and they're going to have to some of them are going to learn the hard way but uh, as long as we can prevent you know some of those things from happening then we've done our job. So, Jordan, for all the weekend warriors listening right now, they got more time to work out than ever, but they probably have way fewer options. Give them some, a quick tip that they can hold on to, that they can actually use. Yeah, that's a, that's a big topic right now. If you get on social media, it's like home workout central right now. So, no, I think, uh, you know, we could talk about, you know, I think the main thing is uh, people don't understand that they can do a lot of things with very minimal equipment. Uh, you, all you need is a band. 
In fact, I'm putting together uh, an at-home program right now that all, all that's required is a band. Just just a, a band is it. Um, I've got a hundred different exercises uh, that you can do either body weight or just with the band. And so I think I think the biggest thing is just knowing what to do. But there's so many things you can do with minimal equipment. And I'm actually um, me and my team are putting together some some programs that people can do with very minimal equipment. I think the best advice that I could give is just, is just to move, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be, you know, going crazy or throwing around a ton of weights. It's just people need to just move and, and whatever that is, I don't care if it's walking your dog or going and, you know, running down the street or walking up and down your stairs. It doesn't really matter. Just um, trying to stay mentally sharp and, and trying to stay physically active during this time, because a lot of people, um, you know, could, could you know fall fall into a trap the the other way and and become super inactive but my best advice is just to move and it doesn't matter i mean you can do push-ups you can do you, there's so much body weight stuff you can do and it's just important to um try and stay you know physically and mentally sharp during this time but i actually am putting some stuff uh, together that'll be ready soon for at-home programs uh stuff you can do with very minimal equipment and and a ton of variety of, of exercises uh, all programmed in a in a way that that is easy to follow and simple to follow. So, if I gave you six months and David James, could you get him a two pack, a four pack, or a six pack? <laughs> oh man, I, I have to see what he looks like right now. Uh, no, then you I, don't. Then I'd be able to <laughs> then I'd be able to give a a more sophisticated answer. But you know, you can get some good results in six months. So I. I well, I could probably do that in six months. There you go, DJ. You're on. Great. You're on, man. He doesn't know some. <laughs> he doesn't know some of the stuff he's working against. A lot of clay. <laughs> hey, uh, what about NFL players and college players? And and obviously, you know, you you still work out and still know a fair number of college players. And we're hearing all this talk about how much time they need to get ready for all the collisions they'll get over the course of a 12-game season. And maybe it'll have to be a shorter season than that. But do you view June 1 as a really important date for guys trying to get ready for season openers, you know, roughly September 1? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, especially not knowing, you know, if the season's going to get delayed or if it's going to be shortened or, or what the what the case may be. But you know, I, I would say like, you know, I think the good thing is some of these some of these guys and some of the guys we have in, they they kind of look at it as a good thing. Like they have more they have more time to prepare because the off season is normally so short. Uh, you know, especially like Jackson Barton is in with us. He just he's with the Chiefs. They went all the way to the Super Bowl, and then it's like your your off season is so short that all of a sudden it's like two months, and all of a sudden you're back in in camp and. And so some of these guys are looking at it as an opportunity to, to get their bodies in better shape, um, you know, deal with a lot of the injuries that, you know, nagging injuries they've had and, and really use it as an opportunity to, uh, you know, come in feeling as good as possible. But um, as far as how much time each and, you know, three, three months is, is plenty of time for these guys to go through a, a good training block uh, to get their conditioning levels where they need to be get their strength and their power uh, where they need to be. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they've been training for so many years that, that three months 
um, is a good is a good time frame for these guys to get in peak, you know, physical condition. Uh, but it's just it's just hard because you know you, you don't know how hard to push right now, um, not knowing when camps are actually going to start and when the season is actually going to start. So that's the tricky part is is trying not to do too much too soon uh, if the season does get delayed or if something does happen and, you know, not getting burnt out. And that's, that's the biggest, you know, issue right now is just um, trying to do enough, but also understanding that things could be delayed. And so not getting burnt out before the season even starts. Well, Jordan, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck uh, juggling, uh, you know, your job and the new life. I know that's not easy. It impacts you a lot, but it sounds like you got a few plans. Good luck, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. There's Jordan Pendleton, owner of Pendleton Performance, a former BYU linebacker. Aaron Roderick, the current BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, time to talk a little football now with Aaron Roderick, BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. A-Rod, good morning. Morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I was just wondering, what does a football coach do when there is no actual football to be coached? Are you buried deep in film now? Uh, football coaches everywhere are still trying to figure that out, what they what they're supposed to be doing right now. Um, I mean, there's a lot to get done, but there's no blueprint for this. So everybody's kind of sorting it out each day. It's really weird. So, yeah, been doing a lot of recruiting uh, remotely. And um, the, the most important thing right now is staying in touch with your players every day to make sure uh, academically that they're keeping up because – with everything being online and BYU being a tough school, um, God, we have to stay on top of everything every day with with each of our our players and our position group. So that's that's number one, and then also trying to make sure that we're still staying sharp football wise as much as we can. So I try to each week check in and make sure guys have a place to work out. And some guys are getting creative. Some guys have a place to go and some guys don't. So some guys have to be creative about that and try to – a lot of film study as well. So, yeah, there's – there's, but it's it's a weird time for sure. We've heard some coaches now come out. Uh, Bronco said it last week. Gary Anderson said – uh, Herb Street has even gone so far as to say he's not a coach, obviously, but he's gone so far as to say that maybe there might not even be a season. Uh, with uh, you, you had I think six spring practices, and now the Pac-12 issues a thing that no team-related activities until at least May 31st. What's your thought about getting together and how much time that the programs would need 
before we have to start looking at uh, possible reduction of season or pushing back of season when we get to that point? Well, I mean, every I think we've all thought about it now. It's it's uh, and it's a little scary to think about that, but I think we have to be right now. I think the better plan, at least if you're a coach, is I think it's be prepared for a full season with a little less time than usual to get ready, and then if something were to happen to reduce the season, then you adjust to that, but. I think the biggest mistake we could make as coaches is uh, to assume that it's going to be shorter or to assume that it's not not going to happen and then not be ready for it if it does. And so um, for right now, it's just try as hard as we can to be ready. Um, I think that the most important thing is, is once we are able to get back to somewhat something somewhat normal – just for the safety of the players is just making sure everybody's in shape. You know, if, if guys are football's a football's a physical game and as long as everybody's in good enough shape to, to compete and protect themselves and, uh, you know, play 65 snaps or whatever, you know, in every down player plays, then yeah, you know, we'll adjust. The coaches can adjust and we have a veteran team. So, I think our execution will will still be will still be good. We talked to Morgan Scally, and he said that uh, they have a program for players who go on missions, especially to third world countries, and uh, to keep them as physically fit as possible. And he says they've kind of adapted that a little bit, but that's similar to what they have their guys doing now. That they can't go to gyms, they can't come into the weight room and do stuff they'd normally do. Everything's kind of scrambled. So I, I assume at BYU you've done something similar to that. Yeah, and I'm I'm familiar with what Morgan's talking about because you know both both programs have had enough guys come and go over the years on, on missions. Uh, there's a pretty good uh, you know amount of data that shows that. A lot, you know, guys have a tendency to get injured if you throw them, if you just throw them in with the regular, you know, football population too early, they'll get they'll get injured. It just it just happens. And so, well, I think both programs have got similar, uh, similar, you know, routines to get guys adjusted as quickly as possible when they get back and to and to um, get them back in the right way without without getting them injured and so um might not be exactly the same routine but you know you you guys all know both of our staffs have had a lot of carryover even our strength staff we've got our head strength coach worked up there so there's a lot of a lot of experience there where we've we've just seen it so many times now we've got pretty good at knowing how to handle it so Zach Wilson has had an interesting go of it at BYU. You know, he plays his second part of his first year, uh, misses spring ball, then gets hurt, misses a good chunk of his sophomore year, missing spring ball again, not through his own accord this time, but or most of it anyway because of the situation. Uh, I don't want to say it's setting him back, but where he, where is he on the timeline of development? I think he's right on schedule. I mean, I, I 
you know, <laughs> he had a good freshman year. And I've said, I can't remember which, I've said this publicly a couple of times, and I'll say it again. I think that um, the bowl game, his freshman year, the, the so-called perfect bowl game, might have been the worst thing that ever happened to him because, you know, it was a great game and he played really well and it was great for our program because the uh, BYU hadn't been in the bowl game for a year or two. I can't remember how long it had been, but it was, it was, uh, it was great, but it created an expectation that I think was unfair and unrealistic for anyone, especially someone who's, who, had, who was only a freshman and had only played like five games. And, and then you add on the fact that he, he, he was injured. He had a shoulder injury that had happened in high school that needed surgery. He played through it his freshman year and had to have the surgery. And so he missed the entire off season. I mean, and when I say entire off season, he, a week before the Utah game, we were wondering if he could play. I mean, we kept saying, yeah, he's going to play. He's going to play, but it was getting scary. And, uh, no training with the team in the off season. No weightlifting. You know, uh, no summer conditioning. He 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 wasn't doing anything until just a little before that game, and then he didn't play well in that game. Everybody knows that. It's no secret. And um, he still rallied though our team and had some huge wins last year. I mean, winning on the road at Tennessee was no small feat. And Tennessee turned out to be a good team, by the way. Everybody thought they weren't good, I guess, because we beat them or something. But they turned out to have a great, a good season, and I think they're going to be a really good team this year. And beating USC at home was a good win. And he, he had some really great uh, moments last year. But I think the ups and downs were were pretty normal, and I wasn't that surprised. I mean, he's a sophomore, and uh, you learn you learn by playing. And every quarterback goes through it. And all the great quarterbacks that have played at BYU went went through some growing pains. Everybody just remembers the great times when they played great. Nobody remembers what, you know, everybody remembers Steve Sarkeesian just being awesome his senior year going 14-1, and one, but they forget he was 6-5 and five as a junior. Or John Beck went just kind of up and down, and then he was awesome for two years. And, and uh, even the guys in the old days, I mean, I talked to Robbie Bosco, how he was a great player, but he had some, he told me about throwing a few interceptions that, you know, his first year. And, and so there, there was some things that, uh, you know, you go through that you only learn by playing. And, and, um, so I wasn't surprised and not making excuses for it. And he knows he's got to get better, but to me, it's just part of the process. And, and, uh, now if you don't learn from it and you keep making the same mistakes, then that's, that's not good. But, you know, some of the things Zach went through last year, some of the mistakes he made, I thought, you know, they're just, it's part of playing the game and it's part of the process that we're going through as a whole offense right now. There's a lot of those mistakes made by other players on our offense. They're just not as visible because maybe they play other positions. And so um, we'll keep competing with the other QBs and keep getting better. So I think when you bring up the other quarterbacks, and you probably know a lot of numbers that fans don't know, you probably know a lot of numbers the media doesn't know either, but a lot of people look at the touchdown-interception ratio, and Baylor yeah. Romney and Jaron Hall were a combined eight touchdowns, two picks, and Zach was 11 touchdowns and nine picks. 
obviously yeah. the interception number needs to go down and that, that ratio needs to improve. Can you say there's one or two things or is every one of those picks something different that's got to be fixed? Um, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things there um, that we're working on. Um, one of them would be, you know, I, took, I take responsibility for part of it. Um, we threw some interceptions in the last two games that really skewed those numbers, and um, um, a couple of them were, were play calls I'd like to have back, you know, where they, I feel like, you know, I think maybe stuff we did, our game plan, that Coach Grimes and I put together could maybe be a little better. And so we look at that. And then there's a couple of them there that Zach just has to own it. He just has to, he just has to be smarter and make a better decision and let his experience, you know, learn, learn from his experience and not make that mistake next year. And then, you know, there's a couple of those interceptions in there that, uh, you know, where it's just like, that's just football. You know, when you let the ball go out of your hand, there's, something bad can happen. Sometimes the ball gets tipped. Sometimes uh, a defender, a defensive lineman, you know, uh, you know, gets close to you when you're throwing it and the ball the throws a little off. I mean, there, there's a lot of things there, but the one, the one thing that um, we always teach and is you own every interception you throw. I mean, whether, whether the receiver just flat out drops it and it gets picked, or whether you're, it's totally your fault and you threw it right to the other team, doesn't matter. We own it. We take responsibility for it. And Zach's been accountable. He's never made the excuses. And um, one of the hardest working guys on our team. And he's he's trying to fix it. And I think one other thing that that's worth mentioning is, again, when I said. Zach having a good freshman year might have been the worst thing that happened. It's, it was also sometimes maybe uh, maybe there was a comfort level with us as coaches that maybe he could handle a little more than the other guys. And so maybe we put a little too much on his plate at times with the game plan. And then when, when you know, Jaron or Baylor were starting, it's like, oh, it's their first start. Let's have a really good, simple game plan. And not that they, not that they're not, you know, they're they're smart, capable guys, but it's like their first game. And then, you know, we had really good game plans for those guys, and they went out and played well. And so it was a good lesson for us as well that, um, you know, hey, let's not make things more complicated than they need to be for anyone in our offense. Let's simplify. Let's play fast as an offense for everyone, not just the quarterback. We're trying to, we're trying to be simple, um, and yet still attack the whole field and you can you can accomplish both and so that's that's the plan so if i looked at the depth chart at a quarterback would there be a distinct division between one and two and two and three or would there be one or two oars in there well baylor i I mean i guess it's not a secret now but we tried to keep it a secret at the end of last season was baylor was injured and he was he was limping through the practice week and then dressing on game day, but really wasn't a uh, He really was just barely available the last few games to play. And Jaron was out with a concussion. So for the last, uh, I want to say three games, maybe four, we, we were going with basically Baylor was basically doing nothing in practice. And then, shooting up his foot on game day and like trying to play and so 
Zach was playing with uh, with not much, you know, behind him at the time. And so um, that injury to Baylor still was holding him back. We I think we got six practices in in spring, and Baylor was still didn't go full speed in any of those practices. So it was Zach and Jaron split all the reps, and um, we did not distinguish who was one or who was two. They took even reps with the ones and the twos, and I think it's really good for the team to see all those guys compete right now. I think it's good. You know, Zach played a lot of snaps last year, but I think it's good when he's in there with the second team O line or the walk on wide receivers at times going against the going against the defense and um I think that's good for the whole team to see everybody compete like that. And so we will determine in in fall camp, you know, who's one and who's two and who's three. Um I wish Baylor could have done more in the spring, but Right now, but I thought Jaron did a lot of good things, and we will continue that competition as long as as long as we can until we have to until somebody's clearly the guy, or until we have to make a decision. Uh, we'll, you know, right now we just don't know exactly what our time frame is going to be with the way things are kind of up in the air. Tyson Williams was obviously a, a big help while he was healthy, and he was running the ball well, and the transfer portal really worked for you. What does running back look like this year? Uh, can there be any late help in the transfer portal, really for any team at any position? Is it just different this year, given that everything else that's going on? Well, you, I'm glad you said that, because losing Tyson was a huge blow. He was, he was a huge difference maker. Um, we don't beat Tennessee on the road without him. We don't beat USC at home without him. He was playing really well early in the game against Washington when he got hurt, and we were still in that game. And it, it was a – I don't want to put too much on it, but it, it took us a couple of games to uh, bounce back from losing him and to figure out answers. Sione Finau and some other guys stepped up uh, in his – in his absence later on in the Boise game and the Utah State game, but it took us a couple games to figure that out. And so, but as, uh, as far as grad transfers go, we have Devontae Henry Cole coming. And so, um, you know, really excited about him. I've known him since he was in high school. I didn't, Dennis Erickson recruited him, but I've, I've, I got to know him way back then when Dennis was recruiting him. And then, of course, I coached him one year his freshman year when I was still at Utah and um, feel like he's a guy that brings something that, you know, we don't always have. And then I think we just have to expect our other players to keep getting better. I mean, I think Pini Katoa is a good player who's going to just get better. He's played a lot of football and he's, he's already a good player. And I think he's going to be a better player this year. And I think Jackson McChesney is a guy who has a lot of ability, a ton of ability. And he did some good things late in the season last year. And uh, I expect him to to do a lot of good things. And another guy that's a good player is Tyler Algier. And he came on late in the season last year and did some good things. And uh, now we're now that we have him at running back full time, I, I think he'll do some good things. And there's some other guys there too um, that that we're that we're um, getting reps. We were getting some reps for in spring ball. Uh, Jackson Kafusi was getting some reps and doing some good things. So we're going to be good at that position. I'm, I'm 
really excited about that group. How about at the receiver end? You lose some guys. I've uh, been waiting for a kid like Romney to bust out. Hasn't yeah. really happened. What do you got there that you can count on or expect to count on maybe? Yeah, we lost three good players there, and they're, they're going to be hard to replace. Um, but I, I, Gunnar Romney, you just mentioned, he has a lot of ability, and he's, he's done a lot of good things for us his first two years. Um, and I just think as he... As he become, you know, plays more snaps and and becomes more of an every down player, I think people are going to see what he's really capable of. He's he's uh, and he's another one. I think maybe the expectations for him were maybe a little unfair. He came in with a lot of hype, and he he does have a lot of ability. And he was he played in a a very good high school program, and he played as a true freshman for us, and he's done a lot of good things, but. I expect this to be the year where the game really slows down for him, and he he should be a guy that's not coming off the field unless, you know, rarely coming off the field. I think he's a someone who has a chance to be a really good, really good player for us. And then Dax Milne is another one who's played a lot of football. He's a freshman. But he, he's, he played a lot for us as a freshman, uh, freshman walk on, and then did a lot of good things last year. I mean, people remember he had a huge touchdown in the in the USC game um, and and did a lot of good things, and I think he's another one. And then um, I got my fingers crossed for Neil Pau because I've been saying since I got here, Neil, Neil is one of the most talented players in our program, and he's had his moments where he's shown that, and uh, I still believe in him. I've, I, I've, I've known him since he was in high school. When I was at Utah, he was at Servite High School in Orange County and where I recruit, and um Tons of ability, and he is a talented, talented guy. And he's big, and he's fast, and just he's, he's got a lot of potential. And uh, so, I think Neil is, you know, I don't want to say too much, but I, I, he's he's had been through some tough times, and I think he is ready to have a great season. And we're excited to put him in positions to do things for us that maybe fans haven't seen in a while and so he he's he's got some ability but he's got to prove it and he's got to um he's he's just i, I don't want to say too much until he does it but i i i like him a lot obviously you guys were uh good in the clutch and late in the games against tennessee and usc but when you look at yeah. losses toledo south florida hawaii Three, three, tr- not just three road games, but three long road trips, and I realize Tennessee was too. But you outscored yeah. thirty-four to three in the fourth quarter of those games, and you lost all three of them. And they were all three there for the taking. None of them were blowouts. They were all very competitive. So when you got this extra di- downtime now, do you look at the way you travel, the way you prepare, conditioning, everything to try to figure out what went wrong? Because it's hard to say that any of those games were lost purely on talent. You were in position to win them all. Yeah, the travel. I, I don't really think the travel is a factor in any of those three games. We should we we feel like we should have won those games and we didn't. So the you know as a coach, if you're I think any coach that's worth anything, the first thing you do is you look at yourself and say well, you know how can I coach better? What what could I have done? What could I have done better? You know I'm not going to blame the the road trip or the the plane or the hotel or definitely not going to blame. The players. Uh, the first thing you do as a coach is look at what can we do better, and we've done 
a lot of soul searching about those games. We, you know, we analyzed every single snap of the season. And um, I, I think, you know, people hear that, but I don't know if they really know, like, how much we really look into every single little play of the entire season. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that we take very seriously. And so we, we lost a couple of games we, we shouldn't have lost, and we're doing everything we can to correct those things. And we look at ourselves first, and then we look at how, how can we uh, use our players better? How, you know, how can we put our players in better position to win those games? And you're right, though. There is a theme there that we we uh, we blew a lead in the fourth quarter, and in, in, in uh, you know particularly the the Toledo and South Florida game. And I think um, the big answer, the bigger answer on those two games was just we to stay aggressive. And we learned we learned that you know we got to stay aggressive offensively and keep pushing the ball down the field. When we when we um, started pushing the ball down the field more and you know in the Boise Utah State games and we went on a I think it was a five game win streak after those one of those losses I can't which one was the second one but um the lesson was to be aggressive offensively and so you know that was it was a good lesson for us and we'll keep we'll keep trying to do that and the the Hawaii game I view differently I mean that was a different kind of game where it was kind of more of a track meet both teams were scoring and going up and down the field and uh we got to take better care of the ball we we lost that game we we turned the ball over uh three times in that game and two of them you know one of them was right on the goal line where we got to get the ball across the goal line and we we coughed it up and and uh, we had a couple of costly interceptions in that game but they got they got points off of one of them, and the other one was the the play that closed out the game. So, um, different, you know, different problems, but we're we're working on it. And man, we replay it all the time, relive it, and and we're always trying to get better. Well, Arod, we appreciate you joining us here this morning for a little bit, and uh, good luck watching film the rest of the day while you try to figure out what a football coach is supposed to do under these circumstances. You guys must be trying to figure out what radio guys are supposed to do too because we've been in quarantine for like a month and you finally had me on, so you must be running out of people <laughs> to talk to. You guys are getting bored, I can tell. <laughs> okay, the bored part we'll plead guilty to, but running out of people to talk to, never. <laughs> never. Yeah, all right, guys. All right, thanks, A-Rod. Um, I'm here for you anytime. There is Aaron Roderick, BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And, uh, Yach, we had talked about this before. You were going to remind me. Aaron's ability to recruit. And it's different now because you can't recruit in person the way you could. Now, they're not in a window where you can do that, but it looks like going forward is going to have to change. We're just assuming it's going to change, um, at least for this year. Uh, and I really got – and it's very rare – but I got to see firsthand how good a recruiter Aaron Roderick is. And we are going to have him back on the show, and we are going to talk about that. Um, because I realized, wow, I was just recruited by Aaron Roderick. I mean, I wasn't, but I was. <laughs> I was out of college eligibility, but I saw, his, I saw how personable he can be and how good his skills are. We'll get to that another time. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.